Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. morning, this is Sarah Guns, sister of a veteran in Tribuco Canyon, California. Our first reading is from Psalm chapter 27, verses 7 through 14. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me, answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Genesis chapter 49, verses 1 through 26. When Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships, his border will extend towards Sidon. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attack him. They shot at him with hostility. But his bow remained steady. His strong arm stayed limber. Because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you, with blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breast and womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he had said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the land, from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, 
the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Good morning and welcome to the third Wednesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 27 and uh, three different selections in Genesis 49, verses 1 and 2, verses 8 through 13, and then finally verses 21 through 26. And finally, a reading from the Gospel of Luke uh, of the first chapter. Um, Before I speak a little bit about Luke, I thought it was worth noting the the reading from Genesis um, in which Jacob, who whose name is also Israel, addresses his sons and tells them what's going to happen in the days to come. Now, Jacob has 12 sons, uh, the youngest of whom is Joseph, and he'll get sold off into slavery, become um, one of the princes of Egypt, and then um, finally re- redeem his brothers who, will, who had sold him off into slavery. And Jacob only addresses four of his sons. He mentions Judah, whom uh, his brothers will praise, calls Judah a lion's cub or, or a whelp. And then he also addresses Zebulon and Naphtali, very briefly, they each get one verse. Uh, and then finally, Joseph, the youngest. And because the, the verses, the passage that was prescribed for today jumps around, I suspect that in Genesis, other brothers are mentioned, but the lectionary only chose four, Judah, Zebulon, Naphtali, and Joseph. And that's important because in the reading from the Gospel of Luke, we have Zechariah's prophecy. And Zechariah was the husband of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was uh, the mother of John the Baptist and the sister to uh Mary Magdalene, or I'm sorry, Mary the son of, or the mother of Jesus. So this is Jesus's uncle, Zechariah, prophesying, um, I believe after he had had his tongue um, frozen or stolen away when he couldn't talk, when he doubted that um, Elizabeth would, was pregnant or could conceive and bear a son uh, who would become John the Baptist. At the end of Zechariah's prophecy, that little selection from Isaiah 9, which I've mentioned earlier this week and late last week, and it's one of my favorites because I think it it actually creates a kind of centerpiece to Jesus' ministry. And uh, that that um, centerpiece is both uh, geographic as well as um, social. Geographically, um, Jesus, before he, right before he begins his ministry, he goes off to um, uh, the area in on the uh, in Galilee where Zebulon and Naphtali 
would have resided, where those tribes were given land um, as, as part of the allocation following Joshua's campaign in Canaan when they entered the Promised Land. And Zebulon and Naphtali were the military families, the military tribes of Israel. They were younger, uh, they were, you know, uh, not necessarily oldest, but they were the ones who were really kind of um, zealous for Israel's future and, and military might. Um, I believe it was Zebulon that carried the martial staff. And so they were known as the military families within uh, the tribes of Judah. And when once the, the land had been settled and they enjoyed, all of the tribes enjoyed a time of peace under Saul, David, and Solomon. Um, Zebulon and Naphtali were actually the first to be carried off into exile. Um, and this is where we get this reference to them living uh, in darkness and in the shadow of death because they're the first to disappear from the tribes, to be exiled and taken away from the promised land and the land flowing with milk and honey. And they suffer this great trauma when the you know, the mightiest of the tribes militarily are carried off. And it's to their lands, their ancestral lands, that Jesus begins his ministry, a ministry that is rooted in spiritual warfare. Um, and he, he goes to these, the lands of these martial tribes, military tribes, um, to kind of uh, center and ground himself before he begins his three-year ministry that leads and culminates in his execution by the state and by the religious authorities. And Zechariah's prophecy remembers this. It's, it's not a direct quote from Isaiah, um, but in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says this himself. And he talks about um, going off to the, the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, where those who have lived in darkness, on them a bright light will shine. And this is what Zechariah's prophecy um, says as well, that because of the tender mercy of our God, the dawn will break uh, from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness, to give light to those who um, have been in exile, those military families that were carried away and forgotten, um, and the, the families that, that the rest of the tribes may have looked at with some sense of um, judgment, that if God carried them away first, they must have done something wrong. They must not have been righteous enough. They must not have been, um, you know, uh, acting in the way they were supposed to. Um, but it's these families that we all have opinions about, not very high opinions about, uh, where this light will shine from despite being so close to the shadow of death. And it is those um, families and from that geographic region and that social location of being um, looked down upon where uh, the rest of us who have high opinions of ourselves will be led in the way of peace. Um, and I, I don't want to hammer on Isaiah 9 too much, but I do think um, that it is uh, overlooked um, and the, the centrality of spiritual warfare for Jesus' mission and ministry um, and Jesus as a mighty warrior um, who doesn't do battle physically, uh, who, who's, um, we might think of as a knight without sword and armor, uh, who doesn't need to be protected 
um, who um, willingly uh, accepts the burden of being hurt um, so that others might be kept from being hurt, um, that, that that kind of uh, assumption, that starting point, um, I think is central to Christianity and central to Jesus' mission. Um, and so that's, uh, that's precisely why First Formation and Pew Pew HQ uh, exist to remind the church, um, both civilians and service members and veterans, um, that there's so much more to uh, military service and the kind of people that military service creates than, um, than often is, is thought to, uh, you know, is thought to be there. Um, one of the greatest, um, certainly the most tragic, I don't know if it's the greatest evil, but one of the most tragic um, sins of humanity, I think, is to convince others um, that, that they are not fully human. Um, this, uh, it's not just um, that oppression deprives people of opportunity, but oppression can even infiltrate the, conscience, the consciousness of those who are victimized by bias and prejudice. So they actually begin believing that they aren't worth um, the same as others, that their life is worth less. Um, and the deep irony is that it's two sides of the same coin. To be selfless is at the one point to, to give up oneself, um, to give up one's self-interest um, so that good may be done or to give up one's own self-interest and self-worth and believe the lie that you are worth less than others and that that your life is less meaningful or less valuable than those of others. Um, I call it the suicide of selflessness. And I think the military um, certainly has this formation, this um, training and conditioning that, that reminds them of how important the will of the whole is, the will of God and the will of others. But to forget that your will matters and that your worth matters. Um, and that is only by taking agency and, ac- and action in advancing the good um, by subordinating your own self-interests um, that it's too easy to flip and to, to turn that into the lie um, that your life isn't isn't worth it um, that the world is better without you here um, and that you're all too willing to believe that because you selflessness has become um, this um, yeah this delusion that we believe um, that can lead us to depression and suicide and so it's a it's a troubling paradox uh, but one that uh, I hope to continue to um, uh, dwell upon with my listeners, one of whom um, has become a, uh, a sponsor of the podcast. And I don't know if I can get any more information um, and uh, give any more than my thanks uh, here on the podcast to uh, Ty Melgrim, who I don't know when, but at some point in the near uh, past became a monthly contributor for uh, Pew Pew HQ's First Formation. A prayer for a person in trouble or bereavement. 
from the Book of Common Prayer. Merciful God, who has taught us that in your holy word you do not willingly afflict or grieve anyone, look with pity upon the sorrows of your servants for whom our prayers are offered. Remember them, O Lord, in mercy. Nourish their souls with patience. Comfort them with a sense of your goodness. Lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia. <laughs>